0: About five years ago, I was down at the town basin and I came across a large chalkboard um, that had the following written up on it. It said, Before I Die, that was the heading, and we're just going to put that up on the screen in a minute. And basically what it was, was people could write down on this chalkboard what they wanted to do, what they wanted to achieve before they died. I don't know if any of you remember that, but it was down there for a number of weeks, and there were a number of interesting comments written on it. Um, Things like, I want to be happy and party hard. Another one said, I want to become an actress. Another one says, I want to travel with friends. And a a humorous one says, I want to see Wales beat the All Blacks. Um, Another one said, I'd like to own a Maserati. Um, Another one said, I'd like to surf a pipeline. I think that was Ben Welsh, probably. No, it wasn't Ben, sorry. Um, And um, another one said, um, I want to marry Helen Fisher this summer. I don't know who Helen Fisher is, but uh, if Helen Fisher walked past that notice board, I'm sure she would have got quite a shock. (laughs) So what I'd like you to do, just in pairs is just to talk to someone next to you and just tell them what you would like to do before you die. Is there a desire that you have, a dream that you have, you'd like to see fulfilled? Just share in pairs um, for a minute, will you? Just What would you like to do before you die? Never mind. I sent it to the presentation sanctuary. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. Um, You've um, shared some of the things you would like to do. Um, If I was really honest with you, um, this is very, very selfish and very, very worldly. Um, But I'd love to buy a house by the sea and live right by the sea. But I know it's a pipe dream because A, we could never afford it. Well, we'd never say never. There we are, thank you very much. You know, so um, every time we go out for a little drive, I'd I, I take Sue past a, a little beach road and say, look at that house there. I wonder if that were where we'd come for sale. Never know. You never know. Anyway, but I wonder just how dreamy and how real these desires are. And uh, the other question I want to know, I wonder how worthwhile they really are. How worthwhile are our dreams? Well, today's message is continuing from last week. And what I feel the Lord wants us to really get a hold of is what are the essentials of the Christian life. And last week, we looked at the whole encounter with the woman at the well, and he talked about water. There we are. That's what it looked like. Um, and I love the one on the left-hand side there, evangelise Wongarei. How about that for a good one? That's what someone wanted to do. Um, Last week we talked about the need for relationship with God and how the Holy Spirit, represented by water, um, fills us so that we will not thirst any longer for other things. How's that? Is that a bit better? So that's what this woman needed she needed a relationship an intimate relationship with god she had a number of intimate relationships with some other men but she was longing for intimacy she was longing for fulfillment and jesus said if you drink the water that i give you you'll never be thirsty again you won't have need for these things that you're wanting And how we as Christians need to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. Um, And how we as a church need to be filled with the Spirit so that it becomes like a river flowing out into the city, into the town. Um, And uh, people just want to want whatever you or I have just like that woman wanted what Jesus was offering. And today I want to look at food. And uh, Jesus uh, said, he said, my food, if we could just flick to that slide, which is I think the third one down, my food is to do, the," the, the fourth one down, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was, saying to the disciples as they were carrying this food towards him he used it as a teaching point to say look my food is actually not what you're about to present me with even though i'm hungry i am hungry i'm tired my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work that's what i want to preach on today and it is a reminder i believe for us about what it means to have a clear understanding of what the will of God is for this world, and then when we understand that, to pursue it with everything we have, with all our strength, just to pursue that, just as Jesus did. So in this passage on John 4, just going back to the map, for those of you who weren't here last week, Um, What happened was Jesus was leaving Judea with his disciples and he was going up to Galilee and he took a route that you wouldn't normally take. A Jew would not normally go through Samaria. A Jew would go, you see the dotted line up the Jordan River, around Samaria into Galilee. And the reason for that, there were historical reasons. Um, The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. I think I said to you last week, a Jew would often pray, Lord, do not remember the Samaritans at the resurrection. That's how much they hated each other. And so here's Jesus, and he comes to this well, and he's tired and thirsty. He probably ate probably about three hours before, four hours before, um, perhaps five hours before. I don't know when he ate, and he was tired and thirsty, and he sat by this well, and this woman appears. And to cut a very long story short, he crosses every boundary to minister to her need. He crosses the boundary of Jews disliking Samaritans. He crosses the boundary of men talking to women in public. And he crosses the boundary into her personal life. She was shocked. When he said, you're right, when you've had five husbands and the one that you're now with is not your husband. She was shocked. And notice, if you look at the scriptures, how very quickly she changed the subject. She did not want to go there. And that's often the thing, isn't it? When God touches something in our own personal life that we know is not right, we want to stay clear of it. We find it very hard sometimes to be honest to God and come to God with our deepest shame. But Jesus exposed it. Jesus was amazing. You know, on one occasion with his disciples, Peter said to him, Oh, Lord, Lord, you're not going to go and um, die. He said, Get behind me, Satan. Jesus was very direct. He got right to the crux of the matter. Now, the thing about this woman was that she represents for us people who are longing for God, people who are longing to be cleansed, people who are longing for freedom. That's what she represents. And the interesting thing was that after she recognized who Jesus was, she ran back into town and she told everybody, It actually says she told the men, interestingly enough. That's what the scripture says. And they came running out. Um, And at the end of the little passage we saw being read, this is what the scripture says. The men, or the people, said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you've said, not because of your witness, but because we have heard him ourselves and we believe that he is the Christ, the saviour of the world. What an amazing thing that the Samaritans would be the first one to declare that. Jesus is the saviour. C.T. Studd said, true religion is like smallpox. If you get it, you give it to others and it spreads quickly. She got true religion. My question is, have you got true religion? Have I got true religion? Why did Jesus do this? Why? That's the first question. The reason is because Jesus was living with one purpose alone in his mind. It's the Father's purpose. It's the Father's great will. The one who sent him had a desire to save the planet, to save humanity from sin. He wanted to see a world liberated from the effects of sinful behavior and for the impact of the devil on people's lives. He wanted to see people brought to an everlasting friendship with God and lead a fully surrendered life. And then when we do that, we find freedom. It is freedom to serve God. It's not bondage, it's freedom. It's the opposite to what we would expect. We would expect freedom um, to be just do what I want when I want that actually is slavery it's actually slavery because you'll never satisfy your desires never but you will be satisfied when you find freedom in christ and that's what that woman found she found freedom and she went back and told everybody and here's a verse which i think underlines certainly for me the father's heart for this world if we could go to the next verse God, our Savior, desires all men to be saved, all people to be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Let's just say that together, shall we? Let's just read it out. God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus does this at the well despite the fact that he's tired, despite the fact that he's hungry, despite the fact that he's thirsty, because he's consumed, he's consumed with his Father's will. So when the disciples returned, I don't know if you noticed in the video, I thought they did it very well, they were shocked to see him talking to a woman. They were completely shocked. I just can't imagine this conversation in my mind. Oh, look, Peter and John, there's Jesus. He's asked us to leave our families and our wives, and there he is talking to a woman at the well. Oh, thanks very much. He thought he could get away with it. while we went into town, but no, we saw him. They probably didn't say that. But they were shocked. But he was consumed by this passion. He was consumed to see this woman liberated. He was consumed to do the Father's will. It brought him a great deal of exhilaration. It brought him joy. It brought him life as the Holy Spirit was welling up out of him, bringing a word of knowledge and bringing her to freedom. I wonder what it is that you would do, um, or any activities that you might do, that causes you to miss a meal. might be watching a video. You get so caught up in the video that you're prepared to miss a meal. I heard about a guy called um, Tommy Gemmel. Those of you who are soccer players will know him. He was a Scottish um, soccer player. He wrote a book called Lionheart, and this is what he said. On evenings after school, about 20 of us would go down to the park, put our jackets on and play football until it was dark. During summer nights, we'd go to the park about 5 and we'd still be playing football at 10.30pm. By the time the score was about 44 all or something like that, we wouldn't worry about our homework. That was our homework. In effect, what Tommy was saying is football is my food. Football is the thing that satisfies me. What is it that we do which suspends our need for food? C.T. Studd, who was a famous evangelist in Africa, he, he was the son of a very, very wealthy businessman, and he actually came to Christ at the age of 16, but he very quickly backslid. He went off to Cambridge University, and he was afforded many privileges, coming from a wealthy home. He went off to Cambridge University, he gathered an education, he partied, and he played a lot of sport. In fact, he represented England at cricket, and he became a household name throughout the whole of England. But during his cricketing career, his brother faced a life-threatening illness which brought CT Stud right up to look at eternity. And this is what he wrote. What is all this fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face with eternity? He made it and he made a decision at that point to surrender his comfortable worldly career to serve the God of eternity. He said this, "I know that cricket would not last, and honor will not last, and nothing in this world will last, but it was most worthwhile living for what would last, and that is the world to come." He ended up giving his life fully to christ surrendering his life and he went on mission to save people in india china and africa and this is what he said only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last it's the very opposite of the actor george sanders who took his life at the age of 65 following a brilliant career at Cambridge University as a mathematician, a very successful acting career in Hollywood, and four marriages. He committed suicide at the age of 65, and this is what he wrote. Dear world, I'm leaving because I'm bored. I feel I've lived long enough. I'm leaving you with your worries in this sweet cesspool. Good luck. What a difference. It makes coming to know Christ and serving him with your whole life. What a difference. And Jesus was utterly consumed with this. If you go to the next slide, this was his food. It was his food to do the will of the Father. So what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is salvation. Salvation, the salvation of souls, the salvation of the world immediately after referring to this unseen food, Jesus uses a metaphor to describe what he meant, that the disciples would have understood. He talked about a harvest field, and he talked about sowing seed and reaping. You've got to sow a crop before you can reap, and he talked about sowing and reaping. uh, admission to make. I know many of you are very keen gardeners here, and probably got your tomatoes in on Labour Weekend in October. I didn't get mine till of mid-November, and I'm reaping—I'm I'm, I'm reaping that now. It still hasn't come to fruit. I'm waiting for my tomatoes to mature. Then I'll have to go on holiday, and someone else will have to come and eat them. We'll drop some round to you, Linda, before we go. But Jesus was talking here about sowing and reaping. And he was saying, look, see the Samaritan lady. I never sowed into her life, but I reaped the harvest. And that, my disciples, is what you should be doing. He's saying, you're saying, look, in four months more, there will be a harvest. I'm saying to you, the harvest is now you can reap what someone else has sown and this is the beauty of being a christian that you may be or i may reap what someone else has sown sowing and reaping are you sowing are you reaping are you sowing and reaping i love the story of dl moody D.L. Moody was a 19th century evangelist, and he came home one night, and he said to myself, oh, no, the day is lost. I've not spoken to anyone today, and I shall not see anybody at this late hour of night. So he started to walk up the street, and he saw a man standing under a lamppost. It was about 11 o'clock. The man was a perfect stranger to him, though it turned out afterwards the man knew who Mr. Moody was. He stepped up to the stranger and he said, Are you a Christian? What an opening line. Are you a Christian? Just like that. The man replied, That is none of your business. Whether I'm a Christian or not. If you were not a, if you were not a sort of preacher, I would knock you into that gutter for your impudence. Mr. Moody said a few more words and walked home with his tail between his legs. Three months later, as Mr. Moody was getting into bed, there was this pounding on the door. He put his dressing gown on and thought the house was on fire. He rushed down, opened the door, and there was this man standing at the door that he'd seen three months earlier. Mr. Moody, I have not had a good night's sleep since the night you spoke to me under that lamppost and I've come around at this unearthly hour of the night for you to tell me what I have to do to be saved. Mr. Moody sowed, and then he led him to the Lord. He reaped. He sowed, and he reaped. And you know, when we say something to someone, it could be a nudge that will move them a bit closer to God. I have two friends, Indian friends, and I've got to know them over the last year and a half. And I basically got to know the husband by walking into town and got chatting to him one day. Well, about just before Christmas, Sue was down in Auckland and it was pouring with rain and I thought, blow me down, I'm 65. I'm going to use my gold card and catch a bus into town. So I walked to the bus stop, and as I got to the bus stop, I said, Lord, do you want me to catch the bus or walk? He said, I want you to walk. And I thought, blow. Okay. So I walked, I crossed over, walked down to town, and blow me down. Who should come out from his house but this young Indian man? Lovely guy. We walked and talked and things like that. And then as we parted, he said, oh, I'd really like to come to your Christmas Eve service. Is that okay? And I said, of course you can. I said, we'll reserve your seats in the front row. And he said, oh, thank you very much so they came we sat down and his wife turned to me and he said lorne can you tell me why churches have crosses outside them so in the space of two minutes just before robin got up to conduct conduct the congregation i explained to her the gospel oh anyway blow me down i'm walking down into work the other day and um Guess who comes out from his house and we can't walking in and there's a, there's a point in our walk where he normally crosses over the road but we got talking about spiritual things because he's got this little website that he's developing which is really great because he's interested in philosophy and religion and stuff like that and he said to me lauren i've just had this amazing conversation i interviewed a famous author in america About this book that's going around he's really really famous and I've got him on YouTube and I said have you ever thought about interviewing the author of my book and he said what I said the Bible I said it's the best-selling book he said what do you mean the author I said well God have you thought about talking to God he said can I do that and I said yeah and he was about to he's about to lead off down that little track to go to and he carried on walking with me and we just got chatting and i said you can talk to god just ask him about the bible ask him how he wrote it you can ask him anything oh and he grabbed my hand and thanked me and walked off down to work you know when you talk to people about god you nudge them in the direction of god and that's what we are called to do and actually, I found that so life-giving. When I got in here, I had to run down and get a coffee. I was so excited. <laughs> it's so life-giving talking about Jesus. The third thing is, and it's something I want to leave you with uh, for this year, is what is the, if we get a chance, if somebody comes to us and says, Billy, what do I have to do to be saved? What are you going to say? And I have written out for you a thing called the Romans Road. If you'd like to put up the next slide. And just have a look at this little article here. This is the Romans Road to Salvation. Um, And and I'm using the book of Romans because the book of Romans, Luther said this about the book of Romans. He says, this epistle, the book of Romans, is the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but occupy himself with it every day as his daily bread for the soul. And somebody many years ago went through the book of Romans, and I've just edited it a little bit, just to give the essentials of the gospel message. And if you turn over, so the arrow goes like that and you can go like that, and if anybody wants some of these made um, with, um, on clear fill so you can put them in your Bible and have them on you, I'm very happy to do that. But I just thought I'd show you. So here's the gospel. The simple gospel is this, that there is no one in this earth who is righteous, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is man's problem. You think, a lot of people think the world has progressed But look at the state of the world now. Has it progressed? Man's hearts are basically sinful and selfish and they need changing. And the consequence of living in sin, of living a life out of connection with God is death. That is the consequence, ultimate death. You know, it says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that ever who would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we're sowing for the world to come, as well as the world now. That is the wages of sin, it is death. Thirdly, there's only one remedy for sin. God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us you know that man i think of that man who jumped off the wellington wharf who could not swim to save his son who remembers that on tv he could not swim just happened three four days ago he jumped off wellington wharf where c2 wharf because his son fell in he saved his son but he drowned it's a salvation message jesus gave his life to die on the cross for our sins what are the benefits of receiving god's remedy the first one is eternal life the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord another one is there's no condemnation you are no longer under condemnation for your sins they've been forgiven you're no under under that condemnation anymore another one is that there's a whole lot of them there's peace there's joy there's life in the holy spirit these are some of the benefits of salvation but finally It's one thing to be offered a gift, it's another thing to receive it. How do we receive God's remedy? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. People need to come to that point of making a public declaration out loud to say, Jesus is Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me God i need your salvation notice it says believe in your heart that he raised him out of the grave belief in the resurrection is absolutely fundamental to any gospel sharing that jesus is alive today he's here with us now and finally i think it's a wise thing when you lead someone to christ to say look let's seal this get baptized Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. The benefits of salvation is uh, get sealed with baptism, and then we start walking this road of obedience and trust in God, which we're all called to do. That's something for you, there are some more out there if you want to take two or three of them. Just have them on you if you would like some made up. and You never know when you might use it. Finally, I just want to talk about urgency. Jesus said this. He says, look up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. There was some urgency in what he was saying. There's always a harvest, folks, always, whoever we meet. You know, God is at work in people's lives that we don't even know. And so we need to have our eyes and ears and hearts open and ready. You know, there's a God-shaped hole in every human being. Even the most thorough atheist has a God-shaped hole in them. The Bible says that. And that's why they celebrate April Fool's Day on April the 1st. Because an atheist, I have to say, is a fool. Because they're saying there is no God. It's a fool who says there's no God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God has put eternity into man's heart. And St. Augustine said you have made us Lord for yourself and our hearts are just restless until they find their rest in you. You know, 77% of New Zealanders, 60% of them don't really practice religion and another 17% identify with some religion or other. So there's a harvest field of 77% of people So you could say almost 70% of Wangarei is unsaved, probably more. So there's plenty of work. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we are called, every one of us, to be a worker in the harvest field, whether we're sowing or reaping. Do you know D.L. Moody, as I close, because we're going to lead into a time of prayer. D.L. Moody, let me find it here. He had a list of 100 people that he was praying for through his entire life, and he prayed for them every single day that they would come to know Christ. At his funeral, 96 of those had come to Christ, and at his funeral, the last four came to Christ. He was sowing in prayer. He was witnessing in prayer. And people came to Christ. But you know, it's interesting that George Muller, George Muller, who founded those many orphanages in Britain, in the middle of his ministry, about the age of 50, he met three young men. And he started witnessing to them, and he prayed for them. And he died at the age of 93, and not one of them came to Christ. But a little while later, Two of them came to christ in their 70s and one in his 80 because he had prayed for them and them. he had sown and sown and sown and sown somebody else reaped and i want to encourage you church to be sowers and reapers i want to encourage you church to have this food that jesus had it will so satisfy you it is so satisfying to lead people to Christ, to sow a seed. Be on the lookout, be attentive when we go about your day. As he was sitting at that well, he was sitting at that well waiting for the disciples to come back to give him some food. He was exhausted, but someone turned up. Two things I want to say. If you're here today and you've never made a profession of faith, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, Please, at the end of the service, don't leave today without doing something about it. I intend to be here with um, the people on the prayer team, and I'd happily, and the prayer team would happily just lead you to the Lord. Hear your confession. Come to Christ. It's the only thing that will ever satisfy you in your life. And the second thing is, I'd love us just to break into little groups now, because we're going to have a time of prayer And what I'd love us to do is I'd like you to just maybe with someone sitting next to you, share the names of two or three people that you would just love to see come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Share those names and pray for each other. But also would you pray for each other that you will become a harvester. You will sow, you will reap. I'd like you to pray for one another as well as for your friends. Can we do that now in a time of prayer? Because this is called praying for others. We are praying for the salvation of people that we know and friends. Let's have a little time, just in twos or threes, um, sharing names, praying for one another, praying for one another's friends. Let's just do that for a couple of minutes.